City Church podcast. New City is a church in Bath, Maine that exists to make disciples, develop leaders, and plant churches that multiply. This week, Pastor Joel Littlefield is preaching through Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 through 30, and the sermon title is, Praise Our God in Heaven Who Reveals Mysteries. We hope you are blessed by the message today. If you have your Bible, turn with me there. Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 17. We will be going all the way down to verse 30. And this is the word of the Lord. Then Daniel went to his house and made the matter known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, and told them to seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his companions might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went into Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. Um, He went and said thus to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. Then Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. The king declared declared to Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Daniel answered the king and said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days. Your dreams, your dream and the visions of your head as you lay in bed are these. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me... This mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have, more than all living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king, and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. All right, I am going to pray, um, but I I have to share one thing, and then we'll pray about this uh, as well when we go to the Lord together. I just want to give a quick update. Um, we've been praying also for the Shank family, uh, Chris and Shy, and so I was um, blessed to be able to receive a letter from him, and he specifically said, make sure you tell the church body that I said hi, and that he loves you, and he, they so appreciate those who have sent, or he so appreciates those who have sent letters uh, up to, to where he is at in Bangor. It's a huge encouragement. He needs it, so if you need that little push and reminder to send a letter to Brother Chris, um, do that. If you need the address and you want to, then uh, make sure you come see us. But let's, let's pray for him together as a family and pray for Shy 
and, uh, and what's going on with their family right now. And um, I know that the Monahans also mentioned something this morning in the group about some serious health issues going on in their family. So let's just take all of this to the Lord. Whatever burdens you're carrying, bring these to the Lord right now as well, um, that God would just give us clear minds to be able to hear his word today. Father, we give you this time, and we thank you for your word that was just read. Thank you that it is true, and I trust that you have set aside this morning to specifically speak to this church, this body, for this time that we're in. I pray you'd minister to us. pray that your word would be precious to us and convict us of sin. And Lord, teach us about you. Teach us about the kingdom. Draw us nearer to Christ, the only one who can help us in our trouble. We thank you for this church, God. Thank you for the way that you are working in each family, in each life. I pray that you draw us closer, Lord. We lift up together our brother Chris, and we thank you for him. We pray you give him great encouragement as days can be difficult. But Lord, would you give him hope and strengthen him. Let this church body be intentional to encourage both Chris and Shai and their whole, the whole family, and anybody else that we see is carrying heavy burdens, God, that we would be a church that intentionally encourages one another as we see the day of Christ approaching. In light of that truth, let us be a church that encourages. Father, give us um, all that we need today. Point us to the hope that we have in Christ. Thank you that we do have a God who is in heaven, who is above all things. And you do reveal mysteries. God, we, we also bring the Monahan family before you and the request that they brought about their family going through serious health issues. God, just intervene. God, bring mercy. Be merciful. And I pray for everybody in this building right now, God, that is carrying deep and heavy burdens. Thank you that you are the one who carries the yoke with us. Your yoke is easy and your burden is light. We come to you, Lord. We trust you. Give us ears to hear. Speak to us today by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. By the way, this Wednesday is our first Wednesday night service. That should have been mentioned in the announcements. So if you're interested in coming this Wednesday night, we're starting a series on spiritual disciplines, which would be things like prayer, fasting, fellowship, reading the Bible, those types of disciplines that we want in our lives, that we need in our lives. We're going to do that over the next 10 weeks. So 6 o'clock Wednesday nights, every Wednesday night from here on out. Show up if you want, and we'll see what the Lord does with that, okay? So keep that in prayer too. All right, so Daniel chapter 2. This is, this is good, guys. There's been a lot of still kind of some, I, I think we're itching to get to the meat, right, of the prophecies. That's kind of what we think about when we think of Daniel. But there's been so much good, and there's a reason why we're going slower. And we're on week four, and we're not out of chapter two. And so it's going to be a journey. But so stick with us in it. And uh, so here we are, chapter two, verse 17. Let me just uh, give a quick recap. Daniel has left the presence of the king. He knows that he's in this predicament, right? The king has already sought out the soothsayers and the magicians to do this impossible task. 
Daniel has left the presence of the king, and he, what he says here, what it says here for us in verse 17 is that he immediately goes home. He shares what has happened with the other three men, and he told them specifically, seek mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that Daniel has, and his companions might not be destroyed. That's what's happening. He's being, he's intentionally going home with this news, sharing the matter with, with the other three, and then says, and this was focused on last week by Brother John, seek the mercy of God. That was his appeal. Guys, here's the matter. We need to pray, which is just an incredible scene altogether. But the reason was given was so that we might not be destroyed with the others. Now, that's not really a hyper-spiritual reason. So I thought it would be worth noting there's nothing wrong with not wanting to be destroyed. Right? That was literally what they're thinking. Let's seek God's mercy because we want to keep our limbs. That's what's, I'm sure, on their minds. No reason to try to spiritualize that. And when you have matters that are physical and real, God cares about those things. Right? He, he does. We, he's a, he, God is spirit. And our, this, we will always say and teach that spiritual matters exceed in importance physical matters. They do. But I think it's great here that they're, they are. They're, they're begging God for mercy to spare their lives. So the situation is clear. Either get the dream and the interpretation or lose your limbs. And you can go back into chapter 2 and you see that that's exactly what was threatened upon their lives. So this is an incredibly desperate situation. So what do they do? They pray. And I'm not going to belabor that because we did talk about that. The effectual fervent prayer. John covered that well and it it is great. Something we need to focus on. But what I want to do, I want to specifically... Keep in mind that these are teenagers. These are teenagers who have been displaced from their homes, teens that are now praying together. So this is the context. Teenagers with the threat of death upon their lives, gathering together now in their home, seeking the mercy of God. Teenagers. There are teenagers in this room. All right, so I think it's good from time to time to even specifically call out a particular demographic or people. And that's, so if that's you, if you're a teenager or a young adult, listen to this. So this is a challenge to all of us, of course, but, but specifically teens. The question is, how do you know who your friends are? How do you know who your friends are? And from this text, I think what we can see that Daniel's doing, how he's prioritizing this discipline of prayer as a teenager with his other friends... The friends are the ones who will pray with you and point you to Christ. It's simple. It's a simple criteria. So teenagers, ask yourself this question. Who are my friends? Who are the ones that are truly friends to me? How do I be a biblical, godly friend? And I think this is a criteria to hold on to. They are the ones that will pray with you and point you to Christ. Now we're all, every single one of us, no matter the age, we're all in need of companionship and friendship. All of us are. But too many people are willing to sacrifice what God wants in order to just fill that desire of friendship. So we lower the standard and we just want friends. We want people in our lives to fill that God-given need and desire for companionship and friendship and partnership. We need that. 
But we live in a world where the standards are dropped and Christians, the Christian kids, teenagers, young adults, adults for that matter, we lower our standard of who we call friend and who we allow to influence our lives. If there are people around you over here who will point you to Christ, and then there's a group of people over here who will pull you away from Christ, it's these that are your friends, and it's these that are your mission. You don't disregard them. You don't write them off. You don't treat them badly. But you go with this group, and you pray for this group, and you seek to bring them into the kingdom. And you seek to win them for, to Christ through prayer and through love and through compassion, through all of the qualities that Christ gives a Christian person, including a teenager. Teenagers who know Christ have just as much ability and power from the Holy Spirit to live a godly life. A godly life. And the world is not teaching that. But we hear it from the scriptures, which is our authority. You're hearing it from your church leaders. This church, I believe, we should all be together in leading our kids and teenagers towards that direction to be kingdom influences. To be standing upon truth. You need friends like Daniel's who you can go to and say, we're in trouble. We're in a jam. Let's seek the mercy of God. So let me just evaluate. Ask yourself that question. When was the last time you with your group of friends prayed together and sought the mercy of God? Because you've got, there's trouble all around us. There's issues, there's decisions to make, there's people to see and witness to, and major life decisions ahead of you, and major world cataclysmic events happening around us. So the mercy of God needs to be sought. If nobody is saying that sort of thing in your circles, then you be that person. Be that person, like Daniel, who comes home with the matter, who tells the matter to his friends, and then you be that person who says, let's seek the mercy of God. Let's seek and turn to the God of heaven. Interesting phrase in chapter 2, the God of heaven. There is a God in heaven. It comes up, I believe, over seven times in one chapter. There is a God in heaven. And they seek and turn to that God of heaven to seek him for mercy because that's where your help is going to come from. That's where help in general is going to come from. The help that we need for our lives, for our souls. Psalm 121 verse 1, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. That's where help comes from. That's where we seek mercy. That's where we turn to. That's where we go to. And I don't need to tell you, you know just as well as I do, that much of the time we just don't turn there for help first. We turn to other things for help first. And then if those don't work, we exhaust those, and then we go to prayer, then we go to God, and we're all guilty of that. But that's where help comes from, and it is very clear. All of your troubles, your debts and your bills, your relationships, marriage issues, worries and fears. Most importantly, the salvation of our souls. We need to seek the God of heaven for those things. That's where help comes from. Jesus taught the same thing in his model for prayer. It sounds familiar, I'm sure, already. Oh, our Father in heaven, 
He taught us to pray that way. He taught us to pray directing our eyes to the mercies of God in heaven. The same that Daniel is saying. Let's seek God who is in heaven. We are in trouble. We have an issue. We need help. Seek the mercy of God. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. We enter into prayer in the situations we're in by addressing a Father who is up above. He's over all things. Family, our God is in the heavens. I think that is the thrust of the reminder for us today that I think God wants to speak to you and to my heart as well, that our God is in the heavens. He's high above kings and kingdoms of this earth. High above them. Take your requests to Him. Right now even. The thing that's troubling you, the thing that's hurting you, the struggle that you're facing... The hardship, the temptation, the thing that you want to see in your life, but it's not happening. And I don't mean some pipe dream. Well, I wish I was a millionaire, but it's just not happening. No, I mean the thing that you know God wants in your life, the, the strength of spirit, the, the vitality of your soul, being a man or woman of God's word. These things that you know are going to give you the strength that you need to do everything else successfully and in a way that's glorifying to God. Seek the mercy. God, take your request to Him. Make them known to Him, though He knows them already. He knows all of it already, but we humbly go to Him and we make them known to Him. So they plead the mercy of God. That's verse 17 and 18. We see this group of teenagers seeking the mercy of God. And then in verse 19, the mystery was revealed. This is an incredible moment. Look at verse 19 with me. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision of the night. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. They sought him, and the Lord answered. They pleaded the mercy of God on their desperate situation, and then the mystery was revealed. As John taught last week, this was the effectual fervent prayer, and it availed. They prayed and they sought him and he answered, God gave Daniel revelation. That's where the revelation came from. That's where the mystery, the specific mystery, now this isn't a blank check for all of you to receive unique revelations from the Lord. This is a context and the context is, I need to know the dream of Nebuchadnezzar and the interpretation. That's the mystery. God, we need this very specific thing. Show us. And he did. God gave him revelation. And it came in a night vision, the scripture says. It could have been a dream. He could have fallen asleep. We often fall asleep while we pray. I know you do too. Maybe Daniel did. Maybe he was praying exhaustively with his friends. He falls asleep, and there's the dream, and God reveals it. It could have been a supernatural vision that God gave to Daniel while he was praying. But they're seeking the face of God, and it was revealed to him. And immediately, Scripture says that Daniel blessed God. He blessed him. He heard from him. He received what he was given, and he blessed him. Daniel had a relationship with God. What are we seeing here? We're seeing a relationship. We're seeing God giving revelation and his people worshiping, responding, blessing God. 
I think we've already seen much evidence of that anyway, of this relationship that Daniel had with God. His confidence, his faith, how strong it was, he rested in God. His response was worship. So I just want to point out that, real quickly, that revelation from God is something that comes straight from God. Revelation is from Him. It's, it's a dangerous and even a blasphemous thing. Please hear this, because this is rampant in our culture. It's dangerous and even blasphemous when a human leader claims to have received revelation from God as if they have a direct channel to Him that nobody else has. That's the line. No, 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 no. I, me and God, you peasley little people out there, you can't hear from him. You need me. Okay, don't take that sound bite because that will get me in a lot of trouble. Okay, that's... <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking like other people. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. The other point is not only that will they claim that nobody else has that channel to God, but then they use that as a platform to get praise for themselves. And there are, are preachers and programs, famous, famous, well-known names that are doing that very thing that claim this direct channel that they receive direct revelation from God outside of Scripture. They just receive from God and they deliver it as though it has the authority of Scripture. And all the while they're building their kingdom, their platform is growing and it's for praise for themselves. If a man or woman so-called revelation from God is making them rich and famous... They can say all that they want that it's for God's glory, but I do not believe them. I don't think you should either. I don't think you should either. What I want to do is, because after verse 19, we see this beautiful psalm that, da that Daniel writes. A prayer, but ultimately a psalm, and a song is the way it's structured. So we're going to just walk through this psalm that Daniel wrote, and we'll see a biblical response to revelation from God. So remember, he received the revelation, and he blessed God. Here's what it says, verse 20. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the God, the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He changes times and season. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for you have given me wisdom and might, and have now made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. What we notice above all else in this psalm that he writes right off the bat is that he is exalting God. The response to the revelation that he received was to exalt God as the one who is high above all things. This is a song about God that blesses and praises God. Those are the best worship songs. You agree? I like a good song. I like a good encouraging song. There are songs that are songs of instruction, songs of conviction. Sometimes they're a little more inwardly focused to point out our need. But I am under the 
firm conviction that the best worship songs, to be worthy of the title worship, is it's full of truth that's 100% God-directed. You know those songs. We sing them here. They're about Him. They're not about us. And we need those kind of songs. We need to sing those kind of songs. We need that kind of thing in our life. And Daniel is seeing these things as a response to the revelation of God. Verse 20, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belong wisdom and might. He is the eternal God. He's recognizing that He's the eternal God and His name is forever and ever. He is the I Am. He is the eternal one. He is Jehovah. He is the God over all gods and the God of salvation. He is forever. That's a beautiful truth about God. When we respond to Him, when He gives revelation, when He gives you truth, when, he, when you hear from Him, to respond, God, you are the blessed God. Your name is forever. My name's not forever. I'm not. It's not all about me. It's all about your name, God. You are worthy. You've existed forever and ever and ever, eternal, never-ending, all about Him. To Him belong wisdom and might, Daniel says. James 1.5 says, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. James had it right. Why would we ask God for wisdom when we need it? Because He is wisdom. He is wisdom, and it belongs to Him. If you need wisdom today, some specific thing that you're thinking through, you need wisdom, you're under attack, you're tempted, there's pressure on your life, you need wisdom. The struggles that you're facing, you need wisdom. God is the one who owns wisdom. He has the corner of the market on wisdom. It comes from Him. So we seek Him. He is the forever blessed God to whom belong wisdom and might. After this little intro to his song, then he goes on to mention several actions of God that are still true today. And I think it's worth going through each one. We're going to just bring them out, talk about them briefly. But they're still true today. This is incredible. This is 600 B.C. that this was written. 600 B.C., so 2,600 years ago, give or take, this was written by a young teenager who experienced the miraculous redemption and power of God through his life for the season that he was in. And this is how he praised him. We have, have some pr appreciation, church, right, for what we're reading here. A 2,600-year-old story preserved for us to give glory to God today. But all of these are reasons to praise Him. Praise Him in hard times, remembering the context is even in their exile. Daniel is still in exile, and he's saying these words out of his mouth while in exile, while in a very hard place, trying to avoid the loss of limbs. And maybe you need to hear one of these. Maybe you need to hear all of them. So we're going to walk through each one. The first one says, He changes times and seasons. It's still true today. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes time and seasons. God Himself doesn't change. The, the word, the theological word is His immutable. He does not change. 
So we praise him because he has that kind of sovereign power. We praise him. This is a reason, a cause for praise. If you ever run out of reasons to praise God on a particular day because things are tough, remember this. He changes times and seasons. He has you in a season right now. And God is the one who orchestrates, moves, has an ultimate sovereign plan. And he has you in a season. Some of you are in a very difficult season. Some are more in a mountaintop season. Some are plateaued. God is sovereign. The beautiful thing about praising him for this is that he can change that season. He's the one who changes that. And only he can. So we praise him. The season for all of us collectively as a church and as a people is our own exile. That is a season that we're all in, similar to Daniel. So we can say, alongside him, we are also in a season of exile, and it's gone on since your birth. You've been in exile. You recognize it more tangibly now because if you're in Christ, you see the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this earth, and it is groaning. And you see the pain, and you feel it, and you long for your heavenly home. So you're in exile. That's your home. We're here temporarily. While in that place, we pray to the God who changes times and seasons. He has that authority, and one day he will change that. We sang about it. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. So we look for it, and we long for it. We long to be in that place, and we ask God to make us useful while we're here. He changes times and seasons. Secondly, he removes and sets up kings. He removes and sets up kings. Scripture is very clear here. So every king and every ruler with any level of authority or power over country or state who has ever stepped in or out of power was set there and or removed by God. That is true. Every ruler... This is a hard one to swallow because we know and have read of and live amongst wicked rulers. And we've already addressed some of that in our study of Daniel. That God is not outside of that. He's not removed from that. And he, in fact, is sovereign over that. We praise him for this truth, though. We take this scripture as true and authority. He is sovereign over rulers and kings. But remember that we only get a small piece of the picture. So as we think about evil, wicked rulers who have done atrocious, unspeakable things and still do, and we have to try to think through the truth that God sets up and removes rulers, we only get a small piece of the picture. God always has the full picture within his view. And he is a good God. He sees perfectly. We see through a glass dimly. When we try to make a judgment of who God is or why he allowed something based on our very finite, limited view, and we say, God, I don't trust you, though you see everything, and you've somehow, for some reason, saw fit to allow this to happen, he sees all of it. He sees every angle, every picture, every individual 
Every person who's in that situation, who's seeking to bring light and glory and good news and the gospel, in those hard situations, God works and moves and he sees it all. He sets up kings and he takes them down. I like the side where it says he takes them down. Right? He's like, you can do that? Get this guy out of here. But again, he sees the picture. He knows the timing. His reasons for allowing evil rulers are good reasons. Because he's good. He places his people, which includes you and I, he places his remnant in hard places to be a light in that darkness because he's glorified in that. For us to stand out as witnesses and to make his glory known, like what Daniel's doing. Isn't he not being a light there? Think about what he's doing and what he's saying in the midst of the most wicked empire. Some arguably would say that the world has ever known. Tyrants have been on the throne and God's people keep praising the God of heaven. And I know you've seen it and you've read the stories. We've been impressed by those names, those people who stand out as lights in the darkest times of history because they've trusted in the God who is in heaven who sees all things. And we have an eternal home. We have an eternal home that is not bound or ruled by human hands, but is ruled by Christ, which is our strength for getting through any season that we're in, ruled by any wicked or evil tyrant that is over us, or has ever been, or whatever's coming in the future. And I also believe that in the midst of that, God sets up Lights that also rule in various places. Amongst us, I believe, God would want us to be people who seek places of influence to show the glory and the beauty of the gospel. Number three, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the understanding. He gives wisdom to the wise. This is an interesting way to say it. Wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the understanding. So those who have been made wise by God and those who have been given understanding and then seek Him for that wisdom, for more wisdom and understanding, and I mean truly seek Him, will receive more. If you've been given wisdom and insight by God, He's gifted that to you to see Him and to know Him. You seek Him for wisdom and understanding, He will give you more. Oftentimes the question is, are you truly seeking Him for it? Not do you just expect him to give it to you. Well, I'm a Christian. Why doesn't he just give me more wisdom? Seek him for it. Seek the God of heaven. 2 Timothy 3.15. Paul writes to Timothy, From childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So think about this for a moment. As a New Testament, New Covenant Christian who has these very same sacred writings, both New and Old Testament, we have the full picture. Think about this. If you have Scripture and you trust its truth and seek God in the Scriptures, it is able to make you wise for salvation. And there's nothing more wise than that. 
There's nothing more wise than seeking God for salvation. That is the wisest thing a person could ever do. I mean, think about it for a moment. Is there anything more wise than seeking God for salvation? than going to the God of heaven. Is there anything greater in terms of wisdom than that? He tells Timothy, the scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. These scriptures, they give wisdom. Because in salvation, through faith in Jesus, which in fact is what scripture was written to ultimately reveal, is the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ's salvation over Gentiles and Jews, because it was written to reveal that, we can know God by these scriptures. And we can know God by this salvation, who is the giver of wisdom. So keep seeking him for wisdom. He is this God who is in heaven. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the understanding. So praise God. Another reason to praise. Praise God that he gives wisdom. If you need wisdom right now, then ask him for it and seek him for understanding. Seek after him, but seek it primarily through faith in Christ. With your eyes directed to Christ Jesus, the author of your faith, the savior of your soul, we seek him and he's ultimate and he gives wisdom. Number four, he reveals deep and hidden things. This is an incredible, very specific thing for this context. But what we're talking about, about God, is his omniscience. A word I'm sure you've heard or used, but he is omniscient. He knows everything. So just let this rest on your mind for a minute and see if it might scramble a few things up there that God knows everything. Everything. Not a bit of knowledge that is hidden from him. No information that he does not know. Not a galaxy or a star or a molecule that he's not perfectly aware of where it is, what it's doing right now. Everything internally in your body, every physical ailment, everything everywhere he knows it. I can stop there. I could go on, but he knows everything. So praise God that he's omniscient. This incredible characteristic of God that he knows all things. No secrets, no mysteries whatsoever. Hebrews 4.13, a very hard, truthful, humbling text says, No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The writer of Hebrews chose an incredible way to depict what it's like to stand before a holy God. How much he knows. Everyone, all, naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Utter exposure before God. He knows it all. Nebuchadnezzar's dream... His deep secrets that were unknown by Daniel and all of the soothsayers and magicians in the land of Babylon, they were perfectly known by God. Isn't that awesome? And Daniel is seeking him for that. He was seeking him for that, seeking the mercy of God for that secret thing that how could a human being possibly know somebody else's dream and the interpretation, but God knew it. 
And it's the same with you and me. That God knows it. He knows what's in us. He knows our secrets. He knows our hidden thoughts. Daniel knows this, so he seeks him. And he petitions for his revealing. So I'll just ask, what mysteries are you trying to uncover? What is it that you need to know? Do we understand that this is... That this is true about God. That He knows all things. So what direction do you need right now? What direction do you need that seems like you're peering into the darkness of unknown things and you have no ability to see? And so you need the wisdom of God and you need His vision. And in those moments, are we petitioning the God of heaven? You've all, we've all been in those situations where there's something that seems so dark, some matter, some issue, some struggle, some relationship, whatever it is, it's so, it's almost debilitating. You don't know what to do. The God of heaven knows. There is a God in heaven, and he knows these things. So are we seeking him? Are we petitioning him? Are we seeking his mercy? Number five, he knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. Where does light come from? Both physically and spiritually speaking, God is the source of light. Physically and spiritually, he created the sun and all the stars. He created it all. He threw it all in space. By his word, he made it. Light comes from him, but also he is glory. He is spiritual light. We spoke of it in John chapter 1. He is the light which gives light to men. That is Jesus Christ. He is the light of the world. God is the source of light. Darkness does not scare God like it does us. And I don't mean like, like a dark closet or a creepy basement. You know, some of us are scared of those things. There's no shame in that. I mean, a little bit. Or under your bed or whatever, you know. There's much darker things than that, right? You, you guys know this. But God is not scared by any of it. It might sound a little bit like this would be like a children's ministry lesson, right? But I think we need to hear things like that sometimes. God is not scared of anything. What do you fear? What darkness worries you? What amount of human evil worries you in this world? God is not scared of any of it. God is not scared of Satan himself or of all the hordes of demons collectively opposed God. God is not scared. I love that. He knows what's in the darkness. And the light dwells with him. What does light do to darkness? It distinguishes it, extinguishes it, and distinguishes it. Okay, both. <laughs> but that is true about God. The light dwells with him. And he's aware of what's in the darkness. So sin and evil and godlessness, God knows what is in all of these places. And he can expose them 
for the good of his people. And that's what he's doing with Daniel. He has peered into the darkness of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams and he's exposing them. Daniel knows them now. Daniel has been made privy to something that no one else can know because God knew it and he decided to give it to Daniel. And this evil, evil king, God knew it. And he's doing it for the good of his people and for the glory of God. These are reasons to praise. All of these, church, these are all reasons to praise. So just to sort of recap, we praise a God who is forever and ever. He is eternal. He has all wisdom. He is omnipotent, all power, and omniscient, all knowing. He is sovereign over the kings of the earth, and he changes seasons. We praise him for he is the giver of knowledge and wisdom and understanding. He is light and the darkness cannot comprehend him. Yet he comprehends all that is in the darkness. He is awesome. God is awesome. I think that alone is something that should settle on our hearts. If this message today is just something that gets you thinking about God and who He is, what's true about Him, these are true. This is the God that we worship and serve and praise and give honor to. He is awesome. Daniel gives him thanks for these things. He, he thanks him. Notice verse 23. To you, O God, my, of my fathers, I give thanks and praise. For you have given me wisdom and might. You have now made known to me what we asked of you. For you have made known to us the king's matter. God saw in the darkness of the secrets of the king's heart. Gave Daniel the exact dream and the interpretation to that dream. Small and seemingly insignificant Daniel. So in the mass of all of human history and the kingdom of Babylon, who is Daniel? A teenage Jewish boy from Judah. But God uses him because he would not compromise. Taking it back to stuff we've already learned, Daniel would not compromise, so God is using him to make the God of heaven known in Babylon. We need this today. We need this kind of thing to happen in our day today. People need to know the God of heaven. The people around you, at your work, in our governments, in our schools, in our community, people need to know the God of heaven. That's where help comes from. The maker of all things and the revealer of truth. And he does this through people who seek his mercy and praise him in everything. In verse 24, Daniel goes to Arioch, who is basically the executioner. Arioch was the one that was going to be in charge of, if nobody could interpret this dream, Arioch was going to bring down the, the hammer. And it would have been serious. I couldn't imagine living in that kind of society. Although in many ways we do, right? In many ways we do. But this is something that would have been very tangible. A mass group of people, all of the wise men of Nebuchadnezzar would have been murdered, ripped limb from limb. 
And what does he do? Verse 24, he shows great concern for those wise men of Babylon. Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and said to him, Do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king, and I will show the king the interpretation. This compassion is noteworthy. Because in this situation where most of us would not have been so concerned about the wicked and evil wise men of Babylon, the soothsayers and the magicians, Daniel, the very first thing he does after getting the interpretation and thanking God, he goes to the executioner and says, spare their lives. Wow. Spare their lives. Don't kill them. I have the interpretation. Wait. Wait. Like he's just running in. No, don't do it. Compassion. Would you be so concerned for them? Love your enemies. Pray for them. Looks something like this, I think, too. Love your enemies and pray for them. He sought the God of heaven. He comes in with the interpretation. He says, spare their lives. Daniel is standing in the gap at this point. I have the dream. I have it. I know what you dreamed, and I know the interpretation. And then look what happens next in verse 25. Arioch brought in Daniel before the king in haste and said thus to him, I have found among the exiles from Judah a man who will make known to the king the interpretation. Do you guys see what he just did? He took the credit for himself. That guy, Arioch. I found a man named Daniel. No, Daniel went to Arioch. Scripture says Daniel went to Arioch. He goes to the king and says, Hey, king, I found the guy. The world is so much different. We should not be like that. Right? Eric tries to take the credit. So the king inquires, Daniel, can you do this? This thing... Look at 26 and 27. The king declared to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are you able to make known to me the dream that I have seen and its interpretation? Verse 27, Daniel answered the king and said, said, No wise men, enchanters, magicians, or astrologers can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. So first understand the gravity of the situation. No one on earth can do this thing that you asked. He gets, Let's just get this straight, king. I want to remind you, no one can do this. Now Daniel has the interpretation and the dream, but he wants them to know this isn't normal, king. No one can do this. But there is <laughs> a God in heaven. That was verse 29 of 28. Look, but there is a God in heaven. No one can do this, but there is a God in heaven. Ah, that's just such a great statement. He reminds the king of the impossibility of it, but Daniel has sought the mercy of God. And Daniel's God, the God of heaven and earth, is above all the gods of Babylon and all the false gods of this world. He's the creator of everything. And he has all wisdom and knowledge, and he knows. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known what will be in the latter days. That's what he tells the king. And this is what the rest of the book of Daniel is going to really cover. Things future from this point. The context of Daniel is primarily to reveal to the people of God the arrival of the messianic kingdom. What's going to come from here on is going to be the interpretations of these dreams that are going to lay out kingdoms and kings that are going to rise and fall from the point of Babylon on. 
all the way up to the point where Christ himself comes in as the Messiah. Specific numbers. It's going to get awesome, church. So awesome. It already has been. But some of the stuff you've been waiting for and curious about, it's coming. But that's the context, primarily. Daniel tells him the purpose of the first dream. He tells him this. Let's read on just a little ways. Verse 29. To you, O king, as you lay in bed came thoughts of what would be after this. And he who reveals mysteries made known to you what is to be. But as for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. God is telling Nebuchadnezzar what is going to happen to his empire. Remember, this is what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed, and you know it wrecked him. He wants so badly to know what the dream means, because he knows it means something, but he doesn't know that he's willing to kill for it. I mean, what would you do if you were the ruler of the most powerful empire in the world? You'd wonder, how long is this going to last anyway? Like, do I get to do this for a long time? Or Obviously, he has enemies. So this is consuming to this king. And God is telling Nebuchadnezzar what's going to happen to his empire. Look at the humility of Daniel in verse 30. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. Not because of any wisdom that I have more than all the living, but in order that the interpretation may be known to the king and that you may know the thoughts of your mind. Humility. Not only did Daniel have compassion on those other wise men, but he comes in and he takes no credit for himself. He's standing before the king of the most powerful kingdom on earth, and Daniel gives all the credit to God. He's glorifying God. God gets the glory. And all of this before he even tells him the dream. That is faith and confidence. He doesn't even know if the king's going to be like, that's not it. You got it wrong. He doesn't even tell him the interpretation yet. But he's giving glory to God. This is how much faith Daniel has. And he's praising God. And he's thanking God. Giving glory and credit to God in front of the king. And he's caring for other people. And he's showing compassion. May we be the same. Do the same thing. In every situation. Have this kind of humility. This sort of praise directed to God. Church, there is a God in heaven. I want you to hear that today. I think it's been said enough, but we could use it more. There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. What we're going to see as things unfold is that this dream contains information specifically about the coming of Christ who will establish a kingdom that is without end. Okay, that's going to be a major theme. But there's a mystery that a person can know today that has never, was never revealed to the prophets of old. This is where we tie it back into the gospel and how this all points us to Jesus. This talk of mystery. Mystery is unknown. There is a mystery that people can know today that Daniel did not fully realize. And no prophet did. It's called the mystery of Christ. The New Testament speaks of it that way. The mystery of Christ or the mystery of the gospel. It's not a mystery like a puzzle that needs to be solved. 
It's a mystery that has already been uncovered but needs only to be believed in. That's how the mystery of the gospel is revealed to us. God has uncovered something that was mysterious and he's made it known to the church and to the world. People need to believe it. Believe it. And here's the mystery. And this sort of all ties in with this context of Babylon. There will always be a Babylon existing side by side with the kingdom of Christ. Always. Always a type of Babylon. Rebellious, self-centered. In fact, every person is born with the spirit of Babylon. Every person is born with that. Rebellious, self-centered, prideful, evil. That's what scripture teaches. We're born separated from God. Another person who was exiled from the tribe of Judah entered into the kingdoms of man, stood before rulers, spoke the truth, and gave glory to the Father, even dying for his enemies. Compassion on his enemies. Love for his enemies. And that person, I think you know, is Jesus Christ of the tribe of Judah. Because of his death, the darkness in each of our hearts, that spirit of Babylon has been struck down by Christ and the truth of the gospel. Completely laid waste. Death defeated. All of it conquered. Because of his death, darkness in our hearts, that Babylon has been struck down and a new king has been enthroned. And his name is Jesus. He does this in our hearts. He does this for individuals who trust in him. He becomes king. He lays waste all other rulers that we once had enthroned in our hearts, and he becomes king. Enthroned. And now the mystery is that God can be known by both Jew and Gentile who come to him by faith. That's the mystery. That God can be known personally and actually because of Jesus Christ. That we can know him by faith and trust in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, who is the Son of God. That mystery is you and I can know the God of heaven. The one who seems so distant to so many people is so near to those who trust him. To those who have put their faith in the Son of God. That is a big mystery. Daniel didn't know this. He saw even through a thicker glass than we today. Ephesians 3.6 says, The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery is that Gentiles are fellow heirs. Don't you love the talk of kingdom all through Scripture? Heirs? Heirs to what? We're heirs with Christ to all that the Father lovingly and rightfully gives to Jesus. All things, the earth, the world, all of this stuff. We are fellow heirs with Jesus. Isn't that incredible? And because of faith in Christ, we get to be his fellow heirs. And we get to know the God of heaven, even us Gentiles. Fellow heirs with the Jews. All who trust 
ultimately in the work of God through Christ. There is a God in heaven, and this God reveals mysteries, and I'm so thankful for the mystery of the gospel that he has revealed. Amen, church? And I pray that you know that mystery and that you seek him for that more and more under, uncovering of what that mystery means for your life, to know God and make him known, to know God and the power of his resurrection, to love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and bask in what that mystery ultimately means for you. Take these things to heart, church. This is who God is. Pray you're encouraged. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, your love, your omniscience, your power, your, your ability to change seasons, to alter events, to take kings and enthrone them and, and then dethrone them. And God, we are so affected by those rulers, and so we need faith today to see you are in control, you are sovereign, and you are good. We see that theme running steadily through this series already. So God, I know, I trust that you're, you've brought us to this place and for this, for this specific time. Lord, build our faith. Continue to crush the enemies around us, God. But we know that even amongst that as we trust you for that. Lord, we are called to love. We're called to love our enemies and have compassion. What we're asking is that you crush and destroy every work of Satan and every demonic power that influences the, the world around us, God. Give us faith that we not fear. You see into the darkness and you are light. Help us to trust in that. And most importantly, God, we thank you for revealing the mystery of the gospel to us, that you want to know us, and we get to know you. We get to know you, God, and love you forever. Bring us through whatever trials or circumstances we're in. Get our minds off of ourselves and our own plight. Direct our eyes to the heavens, God, where help comes from. Help us to worship you and praise you for you are worthy. And there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Lord, continue to keep our minds sharp and ready and excited about the truth that you want to declare to us. Make us mouthpieces for you to give glory to you in the midst of every and any circumstance, even when we're surrounded by our enemies. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. For more messages from New City Church, check us out on any of the major podcasting platforms. Or if you want to find our gathering times, location, or any other information about New City, check out our website at bathnewcity.church. We hope to have you join us next week.